The conclusion of the X-Men's Ten of Swords crossover event teased the upcoming Reign of X as the Hickman era of X-Men comics moves out of the Dawn of X and into the Reign. It's a wonderful teaser full of references and possibility, hot on the heels of a satisfying conclusion to the Dawn of X and Ten of Swords. Now, it's worth noting that previous Marvel teasers do not lock in stories or characters to come. The Mark Brooks promos for House and Powers and Ten of Swords tease things like Professor X leaping into battle with the sword, that simply never come to pass. Nonetheless, it's quite fun to think through what may come to pass in upcoming comics based on this teaser image. Today I'll answer, who is on Marvel's Reign of X teaser image? What do these clues and hints mean for the next era of X-Men comics and theories and predictions for all things X-Men? Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. You are listening to Crack and Krakoa number 126, part one of the 17 theories I have one for every image that kind of pairs together on this teaser image for X-Men Reign of X, okay? So this is part one. We're going to go through five mutants and, and suggestions here on these cards. And before I get into these, if you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or Cracking Krakoa, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing, and commenting here with your own thoughts, theories, and general ideas as well. That helps me out a ton, and I enjoy the conversation. Some spoilers. For previous X-Men comics, you know, as I'm talking about where we're going, of course, I'm going to be talking about what has happened so far, so some spoilers will follow. All right, let's dig in. Number one on this teaser image that Marvel released for the Reign of X, Mad Jim Jaspers. Now, I'll be moving from left to right through the teaser image of Reign of X, lumping characters' ideas together where it makes the most sense, although in the case of Sneaky Mad Jim, that's not a problem. So who is Mad Jim Jaspers? Well, he's a reality-warping mutant and current regent of the Crooked Market, a foul court in Otherworld, okay? The character is most well-known from a star showing in the Alan Moore and Alan Davis run on Captain Britain in a storyline called Jasper's Warp. Check out my Cracking Krakoa video on the full run by the Allens for the whole story of what happens there in Captain Britain and definitely the best Mad Jim Jasper story of all time. Why does Jasper's matter? Well, it's an exciting character because of his immense power set. Again, he's not listed on our Omega level data table of Omega level mutants, but he feels like a contender to potentially get added or at least approaching that power level. And two, because of his reintroduction into the inner workings of the newly reimagined Marvel Otherworld, right? He is deeply central and probably showed up more, you know, than anyone this side of Saturnine in terms of what we see from the new Otherworld in Marvel in Ten of Swords. So we've seen a surprising amount of Mad Jam recently in the Ten of Swords event as the ruler of the Crooked Market. And, you know, we have seen, too, by the end of this event, it's interesting. Like, there are a few outcomes that continue to, to offer possible story for Mad Jim. First off, he now has access to the resources of Blightspoke, which, again, is the convergence of dead realities. But, you know, also, he has Redroot in prison. Redroot is the uh, Arako mutant. It may actually, Redroot may actually be the one uh, strictly Amenthian mutant, which is a slight distinction there. Uh, but he has Redroot prisoner. Now, Redroot Root was basically uh, Arako's Doug Ramsey, okay? It was the communication arm communicating with Arako. Now, Krakoa and Arako are these two sentient islands that were split. They used to be one. They were split. They're now going to be brought back together per the Tennis Swords event. But long story short, the communication for uh, Arako came from Redroot, okay? And this character, this mutant, is prisoner by Mad Jim. So the fact that he has a mutant prisoner in some capacity means like, okay, there's a, there's a reason to go knocking on his door again. Plus, we know from this 
this story are Captain Britain had to make a deal with Saturnine to get out of Jim Jasper's possession. My initial read there is Brian has to ask for Saturnine's help, get back in her good graces to some degree, and then Saturnine can basically tell Mad Jim to let him go, but it's also quite possible that she'd have to give something up to Mad Jim, which could come back into play here as well. Plus, the final thing, again, as I mentioned previously, we see of Jimbo is he's collecting more wealth and resources than ever, specifically from the dead realities of Blightspoke. Now, given Jasper's reality-warping powers, we see him collecting and sort of mining these mysterious crystals from Blightspoke. Again, we have a reality-warping mutant getting all these new resources via summoners in the Vescora from the realm of Blightspoke, which were previously untapped and run across dead realities. There's definitely a lot of crazy Jasper's Warps type stuff that could be going on here. I, for one, am very much looking forward to seeing it. Where will we see it? I mean, I think the most likely place is Excalibur, you know, given the character's ties to Captain Britain and Otherworld in the past. Um, but it will be interesting to see maybe uh, Jerry Duggan and, and Ben Percy probably use the character more than anyone in, in like X-Force and Marauders, and they're kind of co-writing together. So maybe he could show up elsewhere as well. Number two on the teaser images, we have a clear Emma Frost with a good old big H, which stands for the Hellfire Club. She's handing out invitations to a Hellfire Club gathering. Now, the most obvious possible tease for Emma Frost is that this is a part of Emma and Kate's plan for revenge on Sebastian Shaw, setting up a gathering of the powers in the Hellfire Club and then stripping Shaw of his power. This is definitely coming up. I mean, this is the cover for the next issue of Marauders, uh, which I, for one, am very much looking forward to. We know that Shaw way back in, I think it was Marauders number six, uh, he murdered, essentially. He had Kate Pride killed, and with the thinking that she would not be able to be resurrected, and then that was proved wrong. Emma had major, you know, ability to contribute to that. So Kate is back, and she has, or it, at least in theory, has a Kill Shaw tattooed on her knuckles, although there have been instances where I'm like, is it, is it still there? I can't tell. But um, maybe she got those temporary tats. I don't know. Either way, they got plans to get revenge on Shaw. I don't think it's just going to be a murder. You know, we've talked about this in the past. Like, I don't think their thing is just going to be like, let's kill him, because, again, Krakoa, resurrection. Um, I think with Shaw, the thing you do that humiliate, well, you humiliate him by stripping him power and by removing him, whether you get him removed from the council, you get hit just where he is just this feeble sort of plaything for M and Kate. I think that is how you get the appropriate revenge on Sebastian Shaw. So how's Emma going to do this? Well, one possibility is using that island Magneto obtained for her back in the giant size Magneto issue written by Jonathan Hickman. Okay, maybe Emma got this island full, you know, complete with a sentinel head at the, the, the you know, the mouth of it um, for a new Hellfire Club destination. So Magneto, again, like flashing back to this issue, he sets up an island for Emma away from Krakoa. This seems intentional. You know, this is not, I don't think, Krakoan property. And it implies to me that it's a Hellfire Club destination that isn't just for mutants. Okay, remember, right before House and Powers, Emma had recently locked in status as the club's Black King. I mean, Emma has extreme, extreme Hellfire Club clout and power and, and was sort of the dominant force in that club. So, like, could she have a reconvening and a regathering of a lot of players there who maybe are not just mutants? Um, that would be interesting to me. I think when Magneto asked Emma what she was going to do with the island, Emma responded, send invitations, of course, and then wait to see who shows up. So my guess would be she is consolidating power of that she used to have with the Hellfire Club. You know, she's hosting a gathering of everyone who's ever been there, and maybe with some very nasty surprises for those who have per 
perpetrated you know perpetrated crimes against mutant kind in the past because obviously the Hellfire Club like while they have a mutant contingency there's also this thing where they have been longtime enemies of the X-Men of course Emma and Sebastian among them but you know you have other individuals there like Donald Pierce um, who's the cyborg now kind of with the Reavers who is just straight up like an enemy to mutant kind you know so plus plus a little bit outside the box here consider that from the tony mara's M- tony stark marries emma frost tease from the history of the marvel universe number six okay as much as i don't want to see this happen without some major twist i still think the most likely outcome is that it's a revealed secret past it's a really interesting thing to consider so this is again from the history of the marvel universe this is written by mark wade this was the final issue in this series which sees like galactus and uh, a mutant Franklin Richards talking about like okay you know what is the history but also here are these things to come and most of the things they said to come have happened at least at like the top half of the chart so you have the Agent um, Noshu or however you say that uh, with Moon Knight you have um, King and Black which is coming like most of these things have already happened the only thing up top that's listed up top as a tease that hasn't happened yet is the wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost now I think if you talk to like 99% of X-Men fans they'd be like what no why why would this happen the only way that it makes sense to me is with Emma Frost Stark marrying Tony as a part of a Krakoan plot or as a part of an Emma plot how about that and there is some Something to consider there as Tony Stark is the leading man-machine expert in the Marvel Universe. Sorry about you, Aaron Stack. When you look back, too, there's a fair amount of Marvel futures where Tony's technology is a major devastating force. You know, examples include, like, the 90s Guardians of the Galaxy by Jim Valentino, super underrated series. And most relevant, I think, for our purposes, the 2020 absolutely spectacular Venom the End one-shot written by Adam Warren. Like, we see this thing where Venom and, and Mutant Kind are sort of aligning in a really interesting, like, possible future where Tony Stark's technology and AI is very much like an enemy. So you think about Tony, you know, I, I've kind of been pitching, like, okay, we're potentially building towards this type of Avengers vs. X-Men 2 narrative in this world where it's, you know, it's humans versus mutants, right? But I think it's going to be more complex than that. I think we're going to get all the cosmic alliances involved as well. We know the Avengers and Fantastic Four are kind of already teamed up with the Kree and the Skrull post-Empire. We've seen the X-Men side with the Brood and on and on the list is going to go. I think we're going to see different sorts of alliances. Tony Stark's a really interesting player in that because uh, he is the machine. Like, he is the the machine mastermind, you know? So Emma getting somehow in Tony's good graces um, is is important, you know? Like, that is getting access to that technology. But the, the thing with this, though, is Tony knows. <laughs> like, it's not like Emma Frost being a mutant is a secret. Um, so it's kind of hard to understand, like, how, unless they were getting married as some sort of I, like a, like an old like feudal medieval thing where they're like all right these these two you know rival kingdoms get married to to stem the tide which doesn't make a ton of sense here I think it's got to be Emma just trying to get access to like Tony's plans um, so that's it's a really interesting tease I'm curious to hear what people think about will Tony and Emma get married will this thing happen and how would it work uh, because they, these are the rationales that I can think of that actually start to add up and make some sense so all right the number three on the teaser image is legion finally we see legion showing up it's been forever so i feel like i've been talking about legion's mysterious absence literally every week on Kraken Krakoa throughout the Dawn of X, but no surprise, the Omega Level Mutant and Son of Professor X is featured on the Reign of X promo, 90s towering flat top reaching for the stars as it should be. Now, Legion is one of the most powerful mutants in the Marvel Universe, with a literal legion of powers and personalities running through his mental health landscape, making him a massive, massive wild card 
as well. Like Legion present on Krakoa and clearly invested in a Krakoan cause, which is no guarantee, is a huge win for mutant kind. Plus, remember that Moira and Professor X literally bred their children, David Haller and Kevin McTaggart, aka Proteus, to be Omega-level mutants. There's great purpose and thought there, so vastly far beyond like anything that has to do with being a parent. You know, like they were literally just like, how do we make more Omega-level mutants? That is the legacy that Legion sort of has in his past. In addition to Professor X already being a very bad dad, <laughs> like like one of the worst dads in. Uh, in X-Men and in the Marvel Universe in a, a contentious a contentious power rankings. Um, but, you know, he was literally bred just to be an Omega. Like, there's there's backstory there. What if that history comes out to Legion? How does that character react to that? I think would be interesting to see as well. Now, technically, the last we've seen a Legion was during Age of X-Men, but I think the most interesting thing about the character's appearance here is that this promo for the Reign of X, you know, and what's upcoming, this was initially teased out by comics writer Cy Spurrier, fresh off a canceled much-too-soon stint on DC's Hellblazer, and well-known among X-Fans for his acclaimed run on X-Men Legacy during Marvel Now, focused on the character of Legion. Now, given Spurrier's connections to David Haller, he's up there with Claremont and Mike Carey, for me, as the only writers really in the best Legion writers conversation. It's an easy jump to think, and I guess you throw Noah Hawley in there now, it's an easy jump to think he'd be returning specifically for another Legion book, especially given that the character now has a critically acclaimed FX series to his name, right? Like, this isn't just like a, a nobody property anymore, like there is that really, really interesting TV show now. So while I have no doubt Spurrier would do great work, that seems kind of too simple to me. And honestly, too much like a book based on nostalgia for the X-Men past, which this line, you know, the Hickman era of X-Men, is pretty distinctly about avoiding in many ways. My preference here would be to see Legion integrated into another book. He has history with the New Mutants during the Zeb Wells run. Uh, it's totally the kind of threat, and the Claremont Sienkiewicz days, you know, where he debuted. It's totally the kind of threat opportunity, you know, that X-Force or Sinister's Hellions are built for. And he wouldn't feel out of place, honestly, as a focus in, like, Hickman's own X-Men. So I'd, I'd be especially over the moon for a Spurrier-launched all-new series called The Omegas, a title focusing specifically on all Omega-level mutants, their day-to-day, -day, their whereabouts, their relationship with Krakoa, and ultimately their role in Moira and Professor X's plans. Like, if that book got announced, I, listen, I, I cannot stop. I'm already throwing money at a window, right? It's not going anywhere. It's not buying the book. But listen, it's it, I need that on my pull list. I would absolutely, absolutely love it. Now, speaking of plans of Moira McTaggart, I don't know that we'll get it here in the Reign of X. It's certainly not directly on the teaser, but a Spurrier-written Moira X maxi-series would also be a good fit. You know, he's been talking for a while about, like, okay, who's going to write this Moira book? And I, I feel like we keep coming back to, like, trying to think of names. Like, for a while, I was like, okay, Mike Carey would be a great fit. Yeah, but, you know, Hickman said in an interview with David Harper on the Off-Panel podcast that, like, he reached out to Mike. He was, he was too busy, not interested, whatever the actual rationale was. It was like, all right, Mike's not available. So I feel like we're spinning our wheels like, okay, maybe it would be Tom Taylor, you know, was rumored for a while. Uh, Cy Spurrier, again, I think would be a fantastic fit, which I'll talk about. I feel like the real answer here, though, that everybody just like, I don't know, like we're beating around the bush is just like, Jonathan Hickman should just write the series. <laughs> like, you know, like we're, we're messing around saying like, oh, who's going to do it? Like, it's got to be somebody else. It should just be Hickman. Like, this is his baby. He he nailed it in, in House of X number two. Just write the Moira series. I think that would be amazing. Easier said than done, right? So earlier in 2020, I was calculating my own take on the comics writer who owns the year, and Spurrier was basically the first name I had on my tier two segment. Uh, for the record, my tier one was Hickman, Jeff Lemire, and W. Maxwell Prince, because 
Ice Cream Man is my favorite comic this year. Um, I'd have uh, Spurrier below the likes of an Al Ewing, maybe Rom V now, maybe some others. Um, been reading a lot of James Tynan lately. His his indie stuff's really good. But either way, tier two, right? Like Spurrier's high up there. And that blend of creator with an X pedigree and a strong creative output in this moment is a hard thing to come by. And Spurrier will be a fantastic addition to the X office. Super pumped for that. As for Moira, I'm increasingly resigned to thinking we won't really be hearing from her again until Hickman's X-Men Endgame is in motion, with the exception, potentially, of a, a Moira X series, which probably will be mostly flashbacks, you know, two different lifelines with maybe some framing devices set in present day, uh, which again, I mean, we're all here for, <laughs> like cannot get here soon enough. Number four on the teaser list, we got Maverick and Wolverine, aka Patch. You probably couldn't tell it was Wolverine there because of the patch, but that is in fact our boy Logan. So I'll probably dig deeper into Maverick when the character shows up in the pages of Wolverine, which has already been announced for Wolverine number eight, the 350th anniversary issue. It's going to be from Ben Percy, Adam Kubert, and Vicky Bogdanovich. But for now, the real important details are that Maverick is part of Team X, Wolverine's old crew from the Weapon X days, and he's also 90s as hell. Maverick's power set is Bishop as hell. He absorbs energy, which makes sense given both characters are co-created by Jim Lee. Wolverine is wearing his patch disguise in the promo, a top five disguise in the history of comics, which means we're going to Madripoor. Anytime Wolverine is dressed up as Patch, pretty good odds we're going to Madripoor, which is Marvel's hive of criminal scum and villainy, an island created specifically to do crimes, which is always pretty fun. Maverick's most memorable story is his flashback debut with Wolverine and Sabretooth on the hunt for Omega Red. I think this is in, like, X-Men, I think it's, like, issues four to seven in the relaunch. So it's the post-Claremont era and the start of the Jim Lee era in 1991. And I think you got John Byrne scripting, co-plotting, involved to some extent, right? Given Percy's use of Omega Red, both in the pages of Wolverine and X-Force, with Omega serving as a henchman and mole for Dracula, this story's a clear essential touchpoint, you know, flashing back to, okay, Maverick's debut. For my money, anytime Maverick shows up, it means we're in for some Weapon X intrigue, which I always have a soft spot for. I don't think that Maverick's been seen on Krakoa, honestly, uh, which is interesting, but, you know, the questions I'm most interested in here are like, what's the status of Weapon X? I do think it's notable that when you look at Orcus, the science organization tasked with preventing the extinction of Homo sapiens, they have factions of X. Shield, Sword, Hydra, Alpha Flight, Aim, Hammer, Armor, Strike, but Weapon X is not mentioned, you know? And then, too, like, we've got the Weapon Plus program, which is, you know, it basically like the umbrella that Weapon X fits in. Recently, we've seen them do stuff with Hulks, Hulk Vereens. Uh, most recently, there was a Ben Percy written Weapon Plus World War Four issue starring a weaponized man thing, which is fairly interesting in retrospect. So I, I'm curious if this will start to really sort of flesh out, like, the Weapon Plus program's role. Maybe they start getting added as a new adversary, maybe in the interest of, you know, flipping the script again, like like we did with the Brood, right? Brood are a longtime X-Men alley, so what does Hickman do in the pages of X-Men? He, or excuse me, they're a longtime enemy, so what does he do? He makes them kind of an ally, right, through Brood eating the King Egg. Maybe we do something similar here with Weapon Plus. We've already got somewhat control of the world in the pages of Giant Size Phantom X. Could we do something similar with this organization? I think it will be very, very interesting to see. Number five on the list and probably not probably i mean the the wild the biggest wild card and, and the least likely character to have shown up <laughs> i think on a promo image for what's to come in x-men it's torn the uncaring okay and this was probably the hardest one to get unless you've been you know deep into ten of swords Tarn has one appearance in the pages of Hellions number six during their second and final Ten of Swords tie-in, okay? We meet this character in Amenth on Mr. Sinister and the Hellions journey. So Tarn is an interesting inclusion because one, it cements we're not done 
with the mutants of Araco or of Amanth in this case. Not that there was really any likelihood that we would be. You know, we just saw uh, Araco's going to be bonding again with Krakoa. It's going to bring millions of mutants from that realm to Krakoa. It's going to expand their numbers, right? We're going to get a lot, I think, about like what is that realm's history? What are these new mutants? What does it mean for growing Krakoa's size in the Reign of X? I mean, that's part of like what the Reign of X is going to be, I think, is it's going to be a reign, R-E-I-G-N, because the X-Men are going to sudden have the sudden influx of powers and numbers, you know, in a way they haven't had before. But again, Tarn is interesting, and Mr. Sinister collected Tarn and the Locust Vials, which are like uh, Tarn's Hellions, I guess in this case, you know? Like, Tarn is a, a total Mr. Sinister analog. And, and Sinister collects their DNA during the Hellions' ill-fated voyage to Ameth, okay? So, so Sinister's got their DNA. Tarn can't be, you know, again, like if somebody stole Sinister's collection, Sinister would be furious, right? So I think he's made a similar enemy in Tarn the Uncaring. I see a few possibilities here. It's possible Tarn and the LVs are seeking a revenge mission against Sinister, somehow making their way from Amen to Krakoa and striking out at Krakoa's least trustworthy geneticist. It's also very possible that Sinister uses their DNA to create clones or chimeras of the characters that allow him to create the appearance of Tarn and crew on Marvel's Earth, but at, you know, doing his bidding, right? It could be sort of a manipulation of his end, which of course he is so good at. If it is the real Tarn, that we'll see though, this indicates that there are means of transportation and or communication between Amanth and Krakoa, which was not really the vibe I got from Apocalypse and family walking off at the end of Ten of Swords, and Apocalypse saying, you know, he'd see Professor X and Magneto again someday. If travel between the realms is fairly achievable, that's actually a hilarious way to say goodbye to someone you know you'll see again, like, the next day. <laughs> like, yes, maybe I'll see you again someday. More likely, the Hellions fled from battle, I think, with Tarn the Uncaring, to the Avalon Gate. You know, so with the Hellions flee, they're like, we can't win, the few of them that survive, surely they could have been followed. You know, I, I think Tarn, some of the Locus Vile, they, Tarn, his whole creepy crew, they could be on Krakoa as we speak, having snuck through the Avalon Gate that the Hellions used, and that it reminds me that we saw Solemn use. You know, so we see, because there's this whole thing where Solemn gets uh, delivered as this really interesting new adversary of Wolverine. We know he's going to be around, but then the character bails on the battle, right? He doesn't have any loyalty to the Children of Apocalypse, to Rocco, the nation. He's out for himself, so he, what he does, while everyone's fighting in this tournament is he just bails after he gets you know his his uh favor from wolverine to do battle for him and he sneaks through the avalon gate so we know he's on earth somewhere and the the tarn the uncaring and again his crew they could have stuck through the same way you know i, I guess i don't really see why they couldn't have before maybe now the avalon gate's going to be more on lockdown like it seems like that thing was way too much of a revolving door uh while this tournament chaos was happening but you know in the meantime we could have a whole bunch of sneaky crews including tarn you know he's kind of like kind of feels like a like a dark beast from the age of apocalypse you know like the sneaky refugee from an alternate reality who is very much in the vein of mr sinister and and sort of you know like gonna be a, a major threat for sinister and the team so it'll be interesting to see how those things play out all right that does it for the first five teasers in the reign of x that's right we gotta go through 17 of these that i've got cataloged um and again there's a lot to talk about with each one right like this is a full-sized crack in krakoa so next time i'm gonna dig into monet st croix and warren worthington storm quentin choir arcade bay and doug ramsey and the actual sword base and then part three this is gonna be a three-part series will be on the remaining images including nimrod shadow king scott gene the mysterious shadow figures in the back and then of course the nightcrawler bible 
as well as I think the Wolverine in uh, sync back from the vault. So, all right, let me know your comments, your theories, your ideas. What's going on? What do you think of this video? What do you think of what I proposed? What ideas do you have of your own? Uh, don't feel like you have to keep it limited to the five I talked about here, but know that I will be talking about the remaining teaser images coming up as well. But if you're like, I got a theory for one of those coming up that is too good, too good to leave out here, definitely hit it in the comments and I will, uh, you know, take a look at some. And if I, if I, I've already written everything out, but like if I see some that I think are awesome, you know, I'll try to give you a shout and, and integrate that as well. If there's some really cool theories. So thanks everybody for listening. Um, again, like thanks to everybody who supports Comic Book Herald and Crack and Krakoa. The best way you can do it is just by liking and subscribing. It's probably the easiest thing um, and commenting on the videos, but you can also go to patreon.com slash comic book Herald. Uh, it's an easy way to support the site for as little as $1 a month, get some cool benefits some bonuses and uh, support me financially, which is a hugely, hugely generous and, and greatly, greatly appreciated. I do like to thank those who support the site at the Mysterious Benefactors tier by name. That's one of the benefits you get at that tier. Thank you, Ron Paul Kirkley, Jesse W., Professor Pride, Steve Brennan, Cole Weathers, Martin Lopez, Chris Isidro, Brent Bowser, Professor X3769, and PD Appleseed. Thanks so much for your generous support. It means a lot. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com, at comicbookherald online. Look for the best comics ever in my Marvelous Year podcast for more from me. And stay tuned for part two of, of Reign of X teaser theories. Um, again, like we're going to be tackling, you know, five to six at a time here, going through all these in a three-part series. And I will try to include, you know, links to everything in the show notes. But otherwise, if you just... Um, if you check out the playlist for all things X-Men, I'll probably create a new Reign of X playlist for this. You can follow along there as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, enjoy the comics.